On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We left around 12 o'clock Sunday morning. Obviously, with what was going on, we wanted to be there in plenty of time, just relax and get in. And We had queued until about four o'clock. And at this stage, there was Aer Lingus staff telling us to keep queuing. And then there was separate staff coming over and maybe suggesting that the flight was cancelled but there was nothing guaranteed and we were told to stay in the queue until we got a message at like a text message at five past four from Aer Lingus to say regrettably the the flight had been cancelled. I don't want to be over the top or over dramatic but it was it was fairly traumatic at the time and it was just upsetting as you can imagine. Today on the Indo Daily, can the army solve the problems at Dublin Airport? The fun is being sapped out of holiday season by the never-ending travel chaos. Security queues, cancelled flights, lost luggage, nothing is simple since Covid. Yesterday, Aer Lingus cancelled 12 more flights as a result of a spike in Covid-19 cases. In April, Ryanair's Michael O'Leary reached for the old Irish cliché of call in the army. We want to see the army, 250 army personnel called out just for Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays for the next eight weeks. The government said it couldn't happen and it wouldn't happen. But that was then and this is now. Now we're in a situation where the DAA has requested the government uh, that the army be put on standby as a contingency measure to help due to the security concerns here at Dublin Airport. I'm Kevin Doyle and today on the Indo Daily, we ask if calling in the army will help to end the travel chaos once and for all and what to do if you're the unlucky one whose flight is cancelled. Joining me is Polo Canila, travel editor with the Irish Independent. But first, holidaymaker Austin Kilty. What time did you leave Roscommon for your 7pm flight to Portugal? Yeah, we left around 12 o'clock um, Sunday morning. Um, we intended to be there in plenty of time. Obviously, with the what was going on, we wanted to be there in plenty of time, just relax and get in and see the Mayo game as well was, was the idea of it, to be honest. What scene met you in Dublin Airport when you got there? Uh, it wasn't too bad. There was a big queue, but it was moving fairly fast. That was to the initial sort of automatic drop in yourself. And when we dropped the bag on the the self check in, it, uh, it said the bag was we, the bag drop was too late. Um, we thought that was a bit strange, and uh, and an Aer Lingus employee actually just came over to us and said, um, "That's happening to a lot of people here. Can you just join this queue?" Which is what we did. And so you're there at half two. Uh, you're probably getting antsy about the match uh, going to start, and yeah, and it went nowhere. No, the queue didn't move at all. No. Uh, in fact, the only time the queue moved was when people on front of us were being told that their flight was being cancelled. 
we had queued until about four o'clock. And at this stage, there was Aer Lingus staff telling us to keep um, queuing. And then there was separate staff coming over and maybe suggesting that the flight was cancelled. But there was nothing guaranteed. And we were told to stay in the queue until we got a message at like a text message at five past four from Aer Lingus to say regrettably the the flight had been cancelled. So you're standing in the queue waiting to talk to somebody and you get a text message saying your flight's gone. What, what was your reaction? Oh, that, that Kevin, that was probably the most uh, frustrating part of the whole lot that we, the communication was so poor and it came from a text message to confirmation. Um, and then, as you can imagine, it was just it was just a big scramble then. Staff were saying to go to a gate where um, you'd be organised some hotel, uh, hotel for the night or until your flights could be accommodated again or you could be booked again. And um, we were just lucky in the sense that um, when it was in doubt, I was looking up Ryanair flights to see if we could get out to Faro in the in the case that it did happen. And that's what I did. I, I, straight away, I said to Megan, I said, we're not, we're not queuing to stay in a hotel for a few nights. Um, we're going to keep going, see what we can do. You were looking for the Portuguese sun, not the rain and the Dublin Airport exactly, Hotel. Yeah. And so what flights did you find? Did you find one... That evening, yeah, we or? got, yeah, we got one for Ryanair in Terminal One um, for half eight. So as you can imagine, we made a burst fairly quick um, over to Terminal One and checked in the bags and queued up there. And how much did that cost you? That was all in all, it that came to around six hundred twenty. It was a rescue operation, to be honest, because we wouldn't have been refunded having booked through a package holiday. And so eventually, Erlingus did come back to you with an offer of a flight. Yeah. Megan got a text message to say that there was flights um, were rescheduled for the 1st of July, which is Friday coming, six days after the original flyout date. So I don't know how that would work. So how would you summarise the whole experience? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to be over the top or over dramatic, but it was it was fairly traumatic at the time. And it was just upsetting, as you can imagine. You know, it's your annual holiday and you want to get away for the weekend. You put plans in place for an annual leave and... You book everything and you're saving for a while and then it's all to t- slashed away from you for within an hour up in Dublin airport. So we were just one of the lucky ones that were able to to get the alternative flight, but that not everyone was as lucky as us. Austin, thanks a million. We'll let you get back to the, the sun and the sangria. Enjoy the rest. I hope the rest of the holiday is a little bit more straightforward. Paula Canila, you reported at the end of May that all the problems at Dublin Airport were going to be fixed by early June. Now here we are heading into July and the army are being called in. Yeah, I don't know where that leaves us. I think it's probably a good, it's just, it's another symptom of this crazy summer of travel discontent that we're experiencing. You know, Ryanair had been calling for the army to be brought in in Dublin Airport earlier this year. They've been doing the same in the UK. Uh, The Taoiseach had all but ruled it out. And lo and behold, here we are about turns, uh, faulty faches, and it looks like in a con- as a contingency measure, we could see members of the Defence Forces at the airport now. We've got pretty much 50,000 passengers or more going out every single day, so that's a lot of people. We're confident that we're going to be able to handle those numbers, but the government wanted an indication that we had contingencies in place. So that's essentially what this is. It's a contingency plan. We don't expect to ever use it, but it's there if we do need it in the weeks ahead. Personally, I think it's probably unlikely that you're going to see them in great numbers on the airport floor, but it's there as a plan if 
COVID starts to spike and starts to pull the rug out from under the, the, the staffing situations, which we know are already very vulnerable. And PD4, the representative body for the armed forces, they voiced misgivings about the plan to have them drafted in. It takes them away from the job they're tasked to do, the job that they're trained to do, and the job they want to do, which is support the state. We're not there to solve the problems of private companies when it comes to their HR matters. Well, will you bring us, Paul, to where we are as we sit now heading into the school holidays? Because we know that there was the big problems with people queuing for security. They seem to be resolved a bit, although I think they're still quite stressful for people and trying to know what time to arrive at the airport. Then we had reports of bags piling up inside the airport on the other side because there wasn't enough ground handling staff. And now we know that after saying it could never happen, it would never happen, we have the army possibly being deployed to the airport. So where are we heading into July? So, yeah, let's say we're a month into the, the the peak summer season and we're seeing the biggest numbers you're going to see all year, apart from Christmas passing through the airport. So on a given day of 100,000 people coming and going there, thereabouts. And what we're witnessing is a, a piece of infrastructure under extreme strain. So people are queuing not just for security, but for check-in, for bags. The whole There's about 300 companies that operate at the airport from catering to cleaning to baggage handling and all that. And they're all experiencing the same kind of recruitment issues we're seeing all over Europe. Um, they're, they're all experiencing the delays it takes to get security clearances to work in an airport situation. And they're all very, very vulnerable to COVID spikes, which is kind of what we're seeing is the latest kind of arrow being tossed at the situation at the moment. So from, from a punter's point of view, heading off on your holidays and heading to the airport, people are still very anxious and they're worried about the, the queuing they're have they're going to have to face, uh, you know, whether they'll make their flights and so on. But let me just give you a positive note, uh, Kevin, despite all this and despite all the chaos we're reading about and despite the, the crazy problems all over Europe, most people are making their flights and they're getting away and they are enjoying their holidays. So it's just important to state that as well. They're enjoying their holidays, but they're not enjoying the journey, I think, Paul, because it used to be the airport was kind of the haha, I'm away, I'm switched off, the, the out of office is is clear now and I'm I'm having my breakfast or my six AM pint, as some people like to do. And that's not the case anymore. It's not an enjoyable experience. And is it gonna be like that for the rest of the summer? I think it is. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not. This isn't we're not partying like it's 2019. I mean, much as we'd like to be, the airport at the moment is not a fun place to be. And and DAA themselves will say they don't have cleanliness where they want it to be at. Uh, the caterers are struggling. You've seen the lines. You've seen that it takes longer to clean up the tables after people leave them in the restaurants and so on. They is that they've prioritised the security queues and the security situation and they want to make sure people uh, make their flights and that the, as the pieces of the, the, the puzzle solution fall into place, you'll see the broader airport experience start to uh, improve. Now, it, the, the, this is not going to be resolved by August. Did they not have the numbers of staff in place that they said they would have by now? I mean, that was the whole point when they told you that things will be better by June was that they had a big recruitment drive and they would have the staff. Yeah, that's correct. They had and they have doubled the, the staff uh, to almost 900. But that's the security staff, Kevin, and the, the army are being brought in as a contingency in case the, that they can free up an extra 100 security staff if 
if COVID strikes, they entered summer feeling that they were in a stronger place than they actually were. There's no doubt about that. The pent up demand, the, the strain that all of those operations have been under has taken them by surprise. There's no doubt about that. So what are the army going to do? I gather we're not going to actually see guys in camouflage at the security checkout as we walk through the scanner or rooting through our bags. They'll be somewhere in the background, I gather. We're not 100% sure. I mean, Minister Ryan has suggested that they could be on, on you know, vehicle checks outside. There's a lot of elements to security and, and, and managing the, the passenger throughput from land side to air side, as they call it. You could see um, members of the Defence Forces, for example, operating the gates that are behind the scenes. Everybody working in construction, staff at the airport, anybody like that working air side has to, has to pass in and out and they don't pass through the normal uh, queues. So you could see them helping out in those situations situations which would free up other staff to to enter the busier queues. For example, you could also see them helping with queue management. So there's an awful lot of areas that they could provide assistance in if that has to be triggered. And Paul, what's happening with baggage? Because I came through Dublin Airport a couple of weeks ago and in the arrivals area, there were just piles and piles of bags. It reminded me of being in Cuba Oh, well over a decade ago and the chaos in the airport of your bag comes off a plane and you basically have to go around the airport looking for it. That's what it looked like. What's going on there? And then there's nothing worse when you get home back to the airport and you're knackered after flight and you have the kids with you and the bags don't show up on the belt or worse still, I suppose, if you get to your destination. Uh, it, it, this is it's it's just another symptom Kev, of, of the, the chaos, unfortunately, that all goes back to this root issue the, of, of staffing problems and when they all work smoothly, it's invisible to people. It's, it's the minute you see those gaps that it becomes so frustratingly apparent. And I mean, it's affecting Dublin. It's, it's no way affecting it as bad as Heathrow, where the, you, you saw the social media photos of the baggage mountain. Passengers were left fuming after their luggage never arrived. Piles and piles of bags sprawled across the floor at London's Heathrow Airport. Passengers were told to go home or continue their travels without their luggage. So, Paul, I want to talk a little bit about what happens if it all goes wrong. I, I know you're saying most people, while a bit stressed, will get to their destination over the summer months. But what about, let's start with the bags since we're talking about that. What happens if you're coming home from holidays or you're arriving into Dublin on your holidays and your bag isn't there or your bag can't be found in that mess. What, what's your entitlements? You have to do, you you basically have to get to the desk. It's handled by a separate company. You 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 fill out the form. You provide the description of your bag, and 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 then when it will be tracked, it could take a while. It could take a couple of days, and then I I've never been in a situation. I've had many bags that haven't showed up over the years, but I've never been in a situation where it hasn't eventually been delivered. Um, but after that, you you go down a compensation route, which hopefully most people won't have to get to. A backup that you should have is travel insurance just in case. Uh, and I would say just a common sense measure here. Don't put things like essential medicines or valuables in your checked luggage. If there's one big, big tip that can help people at the moment, it's to try and travel with carry on bags wherever you can. Because if you can check in online and take a carry on bag, you avoid the check in queue, the bag drop queue and the possibility of your bag going missing. Now, Kevin, I know I, I, I'm a dad. I know. I was going to say, good luck possible. with that if you have a clatter of kids. <laughs> Plus, people arguing about wanting to, to, to bring outfits and, and go shopping while you're out there and all that. I know it's not, but maybe this is the time to trial 
you know, getting everybody to bring the, the 10 kg bag on board. It, it, it just will sort of take those, uh, take those worries out of the equation, if you know what I mean. But that's the bags. Let's talk about flights because Aer Lingus have cancelled a lot of flights and they're, they're largely blaming COVID uh, this week for that. What happens if I have a week in Spain booked and I get to the airport and they say my flight to Malaga is cancelled? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Your, your flights, if your flights are cancelled, under there's a, the EU regulation 261, which we all became very familiar with. Well, long before the pandemic, uh, flights have been cancelled, you know, for, for strikes, for weather eventualities, for, for whatever the reason may be. If they're cancelled, you are entitled to a rerouting as soon as possible, free of charge. You can have a rerouting at a later date, which which could be a week, could be two weeks, whatever, depending on your needs, or it can be a full refund, and you're entitled to get the full refund quickly. The thing is, if you if you offer the refund option, um, Kevin, then any other obligations that the airline would have to you are 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 ruled out. So if you offer for the rerouting, and this would probably apply more to people who are traveling home and have a flight cancelled, they are obliged to provide accommodation and. Um, you know, meals and, and things like that as well. But what if my week in, in Spain or, or Austin, who we spoke to earlier, who's going to Portugal, he's offered a flight for six days later, but that's his week's holiday is gone. He'd be there for less than 24 hours. So he's offered the alternative. He goes away and books a Ryanair flight uh, because he manages to find a seat, but it's incredibly expensive. What happens there? He'll just get refunded for his Aer Lingus flight and that's it? Uh, well, the 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 airline, if he, he'll obviously need to keep all the receipts and all of that, but Aer Lingus may be able to to refund him the the price of the alternative flight. Where what the the problem is the six days that he misses on the ground because that's a kind of a knock on um, effect that the airline is only uh, obligated to provide the 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 backup or the the patch in terms of the flight, but not the missed. The disruption that that occurs as a knock-on from that, and that's why it's so important to have your own travel insurance in place. You can claim for travel disruption and knock-on um, uh, scenarios like that, Kevin. It's another reason why it might be worth. It's late to say it now, of course, but booking with a travel agent or a tour operator because you do have added protections in place when you book as a package. Is the process simple though? If if your flight is cancelled. Or are you going to spend the next months fighting to get your money back? This all depends on how many people are doing it at the same time. As we saw when the world shut down in the first waves of COVID, uh, and we went through all those months of hell about vouchers and refunds and all the rest of it, if there's gazillions of people trying to do it at the same time, it can be uh, it can be a very fraught process. But when this week, for example, we had cancellation of, by my count, about twenty Erlingus flights, and that would be a relatively manageable number. Now it could take a couple of days to get it all sorted. In my own experience, it's taken longer to get refunds through the travel insurance route than it has through the airline. So the first, your first sort of route, and the insurer will say this to you at the same time, your first route should be to try and get, uh, to go through that airline process. And finally, Paul, you haven't given us any good news, really. You've told us this is going to last for the summer. (laughs) So if it's going to last for the summer, uh, you mentioned a few things there around the travel insurance, around trying to have just carry on baggage. But is there one tip you can give people preparing to go for the airport that might make it a little bit less stressful? 
Well, I, I don't have a silver bullet. I wish I could give you that. I mean, I, I advise people to to think ahead, refresh themselves about the security rules to try and control what, what you can control. There's certain stuff you cannot control. If your flight's cancelled, there's nothing you can do about that. You can control how equipped you are at the airport, getting there within the time that the airport advises, trying to avoid those check-in and bag drop queues and so on, and protecting yourself by having that travel insurance in place. And um, other than that, unfortunately, um, you're in the lap of the gods. But just let me make that point again, Kevin, that by far the majority of people are making their flights and getting away despite all of this chaos. Polo Canila, thank you very much. My thanks to Polo Canila, travel editor with the Irish Independent, and earlier to Austin Keelty for telling us his experience. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode was produced by Mary Carroll, researched by Garrett Mulhall, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips were from independent.ie and Virgin Media News. If you enjoyed the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.